0: Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on this week with JB and I'm joined by the illustrious Pistol. How are you?
1: <laughs> uh, thank you for the introduction, JB. Uh, I'm doing well. I feel like this week I kind of has have my finger on the pulse in terms of Supercoach. Um, you are not too far behind, so I need to make sure I keep putting some space between us, but... 2069 for myself up to 2130 overall so um, i'm coming in hard and i'm looking forward to where the season is going
0: yeah so you've started off extremely well i've done the opposite and started off extremely poorly but i'm making good trades and making up ground on the competition so far so i think i've gone up a total of about 20,000 ranks in the last two weeks up to about 24k um, I just brushed past the 1,000 mark this week with 1,038, uh, which is a total guess because the the I think the page is still loading. Okay, there we go. 2,038. <laughs> I cut <laughs> cut myself short a thousand there, <laughs> and you noticed that as well. I heard that giggle.
1: I was so confused. I was
0: like, "What? Well, where are you going with this?" <laughs> Honestly, with like the week that we had, that. that that wouldn't have been yeah. the worst score. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you if you keep rising at this rate, it'll take like six weeks, and you'll be like. Negative 600 rank.
0: Thank you. Um, anyway. <laughs> Jeez, it's a tough crowd. It's just hard. <laughs> Maybe too, you didn't get it. Miserable. Well, I'll explain. No, it no, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. We'll talk about <laughs> it after the podcast. And we'll talk about your ability to, to make jokes on the podcast and the fact that oh, you shouldn't gosh. try. not, um, not again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've got some positive trades in the canon to go this week and uh we're pretty much going to be steering this pod via the patreon website who have helped us out with some awesome questions before we get into that um we'll make a quick stop off to the cancer council i believe there was a donation or two
1: there was we did have a donate for donuts so a big shout out and thank you for participating to Joel Dillon uh, for his donate for donuts um, hopefully if you it's not too late if you did have a donut last round you can still donate to donuts um, you can find the cancer council link in the description or um, on the comments on the Facebook page it's it's around and very much appreciated any of the, the donations for donuts particularly when the fixtures are or carnage, I should say, is uh, pretty rough at the moment.
0: Uh, Ever since we decided not to podcast just a couple of weeks ago, there has been uh, just a wave of bad luck for supercoaches, and it definitely did not stop before this weekend. Uh, We copped injuries galore again. Poor Manny Rao has gone down with a shoulder injury now. We're going to have to look to trade him out. Among just countless poor scores from premiums in quotation marks like Bontempelli, who didn't show up to the ground. Um, We're going to cycle through a lot of that right now via the questions that we received in Slack. If you do want to get involved and help us produce a podcast, as it seems right now, um, make sure you sign up to the Patreon. The Slack is the cheapest tier to get involved there. So uh, we're going to start off with Jacko, who's come up with a great question to kick us off here, Pistol. Would you prioritize moving rookies who have high break evenings, for example, Tyler Brown and Buterick, etc., or non-playing rookies who haven't made any cash, for example, Bedford or Georgiadis? And I won't get you to pronounce the name. So. <laughs>
1: I'm glad that you asked that question and not myself. Um, so at this stage of the season, I'm kind of, I want to get money, well, look, I should say it. Depends totally on you know every team is different yada 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 but in terms of your question if a rookie has a high break even and they're going to start losing money and if you don't need them for cover so I'm assuming you don't want to you don't have Brown or Buderick on your field and you are okay with some of your other cover then I would be cutting the people with high break even to get the cash out so that I can make those upgrades quicker and, you know, get the money on the field, get my team scoring more points. But I also wouldn't really want to leave my, def- my a defense or forward line or any line with zero cover. So I wouldn't be trading them to like a donut. I would trading them to somebody that is playing and and someone that has somewhat steady job security, particularly um, just because you don't want to be left in this year with this carnage with zero playing cover.
0: Okay, interesting. So, for example, if I have Taylor and Buterick as my uh, F5 and F6 with uh, Georgiades and Bedford on the bench, who would your high priority be there for trading out?
1: Ooh. So, I mean... <laughs> It's a great question. Um, I would probably s- trade out Buteric. Um I know that you don't make any cash if you do a Bedford uh, sideways trade, for example, um, but that money that you can make, you know, the 100K from Buderick will hopefully let me invest that 100K into the field in another position and get a rookie to a premium and just increase my scoring potential. It's tough because, you know, your I guess cash generation I'd say is limited Um, but when you think about it because of the lack of playing rookies but when you think about it if Buderich is at his maximum and he's going to start losing money if you leave him in your side even though he's playing and you have a Bedford who's just not generating any money even if I went Bedford 2 and Arts yes I've now got two playing players but I'm also losing the Buderich money and I haven't cashed it out and Arts is going to appreciate and that's fine but he would have appreciated regardless of who I traded him in for he was going to be my team anyway so I'm, I'm only losing money one way and that's by keeping a player who's got a very high break even but depending on the team um, and kind of your DPP swings and how, what you can do with it I would feel in a COVID season to not have any bench cover is a nightmare
0: Far out. Credit to Jacko for the question. I think you stump his still right off the bat there. It is a very very difficult conundrum that is uh, semi team dependent, but um, I, I think essentially as well that we, we yeah as you said the donut on the bench could be um, could be really detrimental uh, having no cover in a season where any game could be postponed as we've already seen this season. Um, I also think trading someone like uh, Budrick to Arts who has we think good job security. He's probably earned a couple more weeks, but I think only... I think Tiger fans are even sceptical to say that he'll be in the team for the next couple of weeks. So um, that might mean one bad game and he's gone again. So um, I would probably opt to keep the higher job security player, even if it meant he did leak it a little bit of money, um, and then make sure you, you get Arts um, for Bedford, and then I'd definitely be benching Buteric. But uh, yeah, yeah it's...
1: It's it's kind of if the player is at a high price and they're gonna lose a lot of money, then you have to kinda cut them. But when it's Buterick and he's kind of just gonna hover around two thirty K, you know, you don't have to it's not like an immediate transfer. If he's only gonna go up and down, you know, within this ten K range, then you know, you can continuously hold. But it is funny how at the beginning of the year you kind of sideways trade from non playing rookie to get the playing rookie so that you can build your cash generation. But at some point and it's generally during this upgrade season of the one down, one up where You just can't really afford to do a trade where you're not making your team better in terms of points or you're not making money. So one of these sideways trades, I would only schedule in if I just had no rookie to cull and I had no way that I could upgrade. Then I'm like, okay, well, I've got a free trade this week. Then I may as well use it on a non-playing rookie to somebody that is playing.
0: Fair enough. Um, I'm about ready to move on to the next question, if that's all good. Shoot, Uh, So Nick's knackers would like to ask how many weeks until pit net owners need to trade for the, and he's used hyphens here, pit of cash. Um, good, good dad joke, I guess. But um, <laughs> when, when does pit net need, when does he become a priority to get out of our teams? And I'm assuming that he's R2. So I you're probably looking to go all the way up to Gorn or, or a Ruckman that's hovering at least around 700 K because the top three all are at the moment. So,
1: why are you assuming he's at R2? He it could, it could be at R3.
0: He could be, but if that's the case, they're probably just waiting for a high break even. I'm I'm waiting for the Gorn to, to pit net swap. Okay, let's answer both. Uh, we'll, we'll answer both. Okay. So say, say he's yeah, at R3 I, for you, Pistol.
1: So I think, okay, well, firstly, obviously if he's at R2 and you have no, like you can't just trade him out to a different Ruckman that's not Gorn or Gold, Goldie, you kind of going to need to get a proper Ruckman. So, um, in the in the case that he is R3, and like when's the best time to trade out somebody, he's got a 76 break even, so he's still going to make some money. Um, but the thing is, he's already made you 200K. He's 430K. He's probably got, unless he's going to have a big score in him, he's going to make, what? let's say, a maximum of like 50 more K. Yep. So, for me, if you're trading in a player who is undervalued and underpriced, let's say, Whitfield this week, who's going to go up more than Pitney is going to go up, well, then you may as well make the trade. Like, if you've got no other way to get Whitfield in, I would just be doing Pitney to Whitfield because they're both going to rise at the same rate. Otherwise, you know, points now on your field rather than I'm waiting two more weeks for Pit, for Pitney to go up 50K and then I have to wait two weeks to get Whitfield and I'm paying 50K more anyway and you come out, you know, net even.
0: Um, net negative actually because you probably lose points having a lot of cash on the bench and no Whitfield in your forward line
1: yeah so look it it depends on the team dynamics as all of these answers but if you're getting somebody who is going to go up if you're maybe flicking him using DPP to like Ridley then I would do that I wouldn't wait for Pitney to make 50 more K I would just grab Ridley now Um, if you're trying to get somebody who's kind of depreciating value I could, I can understand why you would wait and try and you know suck every dollar out of Pitney, but really he's already made 200k now he's slowing down um, unless he gets a big 130 and, and kickstarts his cash cycle which he, he, I guess he could against Tim English I wouldn't I don't feel like now it's not too early to cull him it's, it's some point within the next three weeks is probably the time to go
0: okay so sometime within the next three weeks now if I go with my first example and say that he's R two, um, you're not just hey I'll, it's it's the case for a lot of players out there. Um, you're not just looking at getting him out of your team when he generates the most money. You're kind of looking at an opportunity to get someone else into your team. And for a lot of players with Pitnet, I'd say the most popular starting ruckman was Grundy. Um, and then a lot of the people that did opt to go against Gorn probably had Naismith and then traded in Pitnet as their R3 or as a sideways from Naismith uh, when he did get injured. So um, I assume they need Gorn. And he's 740k right now with an achievable break-even. <laughs> so yep. we're looking at... Uh, what's I don't have Pitnet's price right in front of me, but it seems to me like we're looking at about 280k jump right now. Um, that seems to be ridiculous. Uh, are we? Are they looking to make that in the in the next week or the next two or three weeks? Are we? Does that mean that they're having to sap every cent out of Pitnet before they make the jump? They're leaking a lot of points in that matchup right now.
1: Yeah. See, that's the problem because Gorn is going to go up or is projected to go up um, another you know twenty six k in the next two weeks. So even by holding on to Pitney, you kind of feel like you're just holding on and hoping Gorn drops down in price but at the same time Pitney takes one bad game for him to start losing money at a rapid rate um, from what he's earned if you have the loose 300k it takes to upgrade them I wouldn't hesitate because they're both going up and Gorn is scoring you know captaincy potential scores right now so if you can find a way and potentially that might be through Raul who's injured um, You know, then that's your go to move otherwise It's going to be a a tough and hard wait while you just wait for going to have a poor game.
0: Well, considering you've segued us so perfectly, I'm going to move on to the next question. And both Bex and James H, and I assume several others down the road, ask what we do with Matty Rao this week. So um, I'm going to start by operating on the basis that he's probably going to be out for um, one to two weeks at least. I think that's. I, I think that'd be best-case scenario if we only <laughs> missed him for once or two weeks. But say it's announced during the week that he's out for two or three weeks. Um, we've then got a player who's coming back from a shoulder injury in which he's a, a contested beast tackling, um, going and get the ball type of player. I think at the very least, considering he's still so young and probably hasn't had this sort of injury before, um coming back is, is likely going to impact his scoring at the very least. So I I think regardless as to how long he's out for, if people think he's holdable and a premium, I, I just don't think he's either at this point, um, due to the shoulder injury, which is so sad. I was I was enjoying watching him play. It was genuinely getting me through all these injuries and carnages. It was watching Matty Rao play each week. So um it does suck. It's very unfortunate. I think people are still coming to terms with having to trade out the kid. But I think we do have to trade out the kid and that leaves us with a chunk of money, nearly 500k, which is a big plus um, and not much idea where to put it, Pistol.
1: (laughs) So for me, unless he's playing next week or it's a one-week injury, then I'm I'm not holding him. Um, He's made a lot of money. I can get him to a a good primo. I can plug maybe potential other holes in my side. I think it's going to be a longer-term injury. So... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really considering an option of holding him in my trade plans currently. JB, if we kind of break his price, let's 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 break his um, options by price into different brackets. If you pick people that are kind of close to his price, and then so let's say people that are sub 500, um, maybe another price range of about 560 ish and less, and then 560 ish and more. Um, maybe you want to pick a couple of the best options from each one, or maybe that's the best way to go through the the replacement options for Raoul. It,
0: it probably is, yeah. That's um, <laughs> definitely a question without much notice. What was the the top cutoff? 560, did you say?
1: I just I literally... It doesn't have to be exactly 560, but okay, I, was about I just to say I don't know that it on the table. There's a
0: few players. <laughs> There's not many pricey players at the moment. <laughs> um, but okay, so... Uh, in terms of the Uber premiums, it's easy to say, like, you want Lockie Neal in your team. He's obviously, he, he scored probably what's going to be his floor for the next month uh, this game.
1: So, so you would pay 760 We had this discussion on the podcast. But,
0: and as I said last week on the podcast, I think he's just atrocious value and, and would ignore him at the moment. Um, I'm. I'm just. Atrocious. I'm just going through the Atrocious. options. Atrocious. Is that not? A, is is that? A, is not not a word that I.
1: Yeah, it's it's. You didn't stutter. Um, I <laughs> think it's think horrible. You, value. He's averaging 154.
0: Value though, from from this point forward for the season, you're paying 760k, which will be not his top price because he actually dropped $500 on the weekend um, <laughs> but pretty much his top price for the entire season and he's got De Boer in two weeks is is that oh no that I wouldn't
1: I wouldn't take him I wouldn't I wouldn't buy him but I, atrocious I think for somebody averaging that price is pretty atrocious harsh atrocious
0: value I'm talking about value basically. yeah I'm okay. not saying he's a bad player he's dominating <laughs> Anyway, yeah, okay. I, I would ignore Neil, even if I had the money. I would ignore the temptation, even if I just downgraded Pitnet to to nobody, and had the, all that cashing there. Um, as for the expensive, op- actually, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with the options around five sixty because there's a couple of those that are that are really standard. You're out.
1: gonna jump into the middle tier options rather than going <laughs> from the cheapest. Or, you're killing the OCD here. But okay, Who, whose
0: podcast is this, fistal? Go for it. Okay, I'm gonna start with Jack Steele. Someone, someone who's averaging one hundred and seventeen points thus far, playing a bit of a run, run with roll most weeks, yet still scoring out of this world, comes up against Fremantle, potentially against Nat Fife this week. Um, he, with a low score of seventy three, everything else one hundred and fourteen and above, mostly one hundred and thirty and above, actually. Um, I I, ju- I just think he at the moment is becoming a hard to ignore value pick sub six hundred k.
1: He does everything that we want in you know super Coach right now in these shortened quarters. He tackles a lot. He's at every center bounce for St Kilda. Um, I think quite literally, and hopefully at least in the last round, <laughs> and he's scoring. Super well at a kind price because in round three he scored 73 against Collingwood, which are, you know, undoubtedly a hard team to score against. All of his other matches 128, 137, 114, 136 is just awesome. And he is a POD in 1.2% of teams. I mean, probably not for long, but really he's going to a hub that have, I guess, some of the weakest sides, or at least up they're going to Noosa, I believe, so the teams around them. Uh, ironically, a lot of the ones they've already played, so I'm a bit confused how that's going to work. But um, who knows? I, f- I feel like you've got yeah, somebody who's working both ways, is playing much better on the offensive side um, compared to last year. He's in the midst of a breakout. St Kilda are playing good football. All signs are pointing towards Steele being a solid selection this year, and he's just much cheaper than options around him. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Big Big tick of approval at that price range.
0: Okay, I've found an expensive player that I like. It took me about that long to sort by highest uh, to lowest in price. Um, But I like Adam Trelaw, who returned this week. Uh, Returning a big way with 119 points, uh, just obviously getting back into it. I think his game is fitting as well. He's not as much of a contested beast, obviously, as Jack Steele. I don't think many people are. But um, his disposal efficiency, I think, and his ability to get um, into a scoring chain for Collingwood, who... Um, at the worst of times, is still a very dominant side, so um, probably see a lot of wins there as well. I just think is is going to be hard to ignore, and he's 615k, so he's not cheap by any means, and um, obviously a huge point of difference having just come back this week. Um, I just like the way the way Adam Trudel looked on the weekend, so I think he's going to stake his claim from here on out as a top six uh, to eight midfielder.
1: Yeah, I think Trelaw will be right up there in top midfielders, but I also don't think he's good value at 615K, JV. We've still got Duncan at 600, who's averaging you know 119, and we've got Luke Parker at 588, who's averaging
0: 115. Oh, I don't trust either of those options.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, Trelaw he's better than both of them, but I'm not sure if he's like that much better than both of them.
0: I suppose the more um, obvious one that not a lot of people, well, not everyone, has is Tom Mitchell, but um, yes, I, despite his really good game last week, which was um, mostly just a really good final quarter, I just he's just not passing the eye test. I I don't like having being an owner of him and watching him play just does not pass the eye test for me. I I just I don't think he's prime Tom Mitchell is in there at the moment, and he required a decent amount of scaling to even topple the the 100 mark this week so um i i I just i'm not sure you might have different thoughts but this shoulder or leg or whatever injury he's carrying at the moment is i think it's affecting him uh more so than what is is being reported and i think we're seeing mitchell just a little bit less than his best at the moment
1: I still like Tom Mitchell as a pick, just because it's like a safe pick. His floor is so ridiculously high that you just don't get burnt, and you know you you're kind of waiting for him to come good. And with let's say most of the 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 midfielders around his price, like kind of disappointing. I I think I would still pick Tom Mitchell over Clayton Oliver. I pick Tom Mitchell probably over Cripps. Um, Ooh, yeah. There's there's
0: definitely not over Oliver.
1: Many. There's not many. Players that I would pick above Tom Mitchell Um, still available. Like, Hugh McCluggage is in incredible form and is unbelievable to watch, but I'd still feel much more comfortable. They're nearly the same price. Um, I'd feel much more comfortable picking Tom Mitchell over McCluggage. Uh, Yeah, it's it's tough. Like, Taylor Adams, am I going to pick Taylor Adams over, over Tom Mitchell? Probably not. And these are all the players around him. So, I think midfielders in general... (laughs) <laughs> they're not jumping off the page, screaming, pick me. Um, How
0: strange. that The, the so, forward line is probably everyone's best line at the moment or um, just has the highest averaging players. Uh, if you've got players like Jai Simkin, Hugh Greenwood, Michael Walters even, like there are so many players averaging well up forward. And then you look at the midfield. You've got players like Bontempelli scoring poorly. Uh, Cripps has had some bad scores. Titch has had some bad scores. McRae is scoring poorly. Um, Dunkley's obviously injured, but he wasn't going a, a, that well before the injury. Um, you just you have so many tried and true players. If you if you scroll through this top twenty midfielders, you probably wouldn't recognise half of them. They they wouldn't be in your top twenty guesses. Dangerfields outside of that as as it is. Um, there it's just a weird season at the moment. I, I just midfield is just confusing as ever.
1: So I guess we're jumping around with the price range. So we've forgotten that part of the question, but I guess flowing from what you've just said, then is there a case to not spend huge in the midfield when it's kind of a basket case at the moment and look at somebody like I touched on last week, Elliot Yo, he's now essentially <laughs> the same price as Rao. You know, he's only at, you know, 480K. Is he somebody then that, you know, why pay 100K more um, for somebody that's potentially just going to average the same here on out?
0: Yeah. Um, averaging 83 thus far, even helped on by his 121 on the weekend, which he was superb uh, on the weekend, as was West Coast. Against Sydney, though, I, I just I don't know how West Coast are travelling at the moment, and I think they've got too many of the same midfielder. Um, Tim Kelly put out a 77 this week in that same midfield. Um, they do lose Luke Shuey for a couple of weeks now as well, um, which I think... Probably does help Elliot Yo. Um, probably gets his hand on the footy a little bit more and makes a couple more tackles, but um, his clangers this year, uh, including free kicks against, have been woeful. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if you told me he was worse than the league at a Pistol, but um, <laughs> there, there's just uh, there's so many things about Elliot Yo that that scream potential and and cheap and, you know, a player that we would want to get in, especially as a side... If you told me I could sideways Rao to Yo, uh, during the season, I'd probably have awarded Rao the bloody pound already. So, um, the fact that we can just sideways to him uh, is probably a testament to both players, how their seasons are going. But, um, you can't keep someone like Elliot Yo down for too long. So, it's only a matter of time. I'm I'm just not sure when that time is.
1: So, I think the time to punt is probably now on him um, I just think there's so many things that are screaming you know this could work and that's look we've just had the holding the ball interpretation kind of changed and a massive increase in holding the balls and that's Elliot Eo's bread and butter this year you know he was leading the the league in tackles um, last week so he's bound to get a couple more points there we've got his 14 frees against this year he's as you said, he's leading the league in clangers um, thanks to 14 free kicks against. And that's going to kind of revert to the mean. He hasn't had anywhere near that as career averages um, show in terms of free kicks against. So I think that that's going to ease up um, as the season goes on. And not just that, they're moving to a WA hub where he averages over 105 at Perth Oval in the last two years. And Shuey's injured. Which you know, as soon as Shuey went down, Yo was the man against Sydney. He he, I was a bit skeptical actually before Shuey went down. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, he's playing well, but he's not scoring well. And then as soon as Shuey went down, he's scoring. Yo's just just taken off. Um, so at that price, where I feel like I'm kind of punting on players that are 100k more. And, and banking on them their form to improve i'm like well i can save 100k and take elliot yo and to me that feels a little bit better um i, I think in this way i would kind of pick a player that i'm super confident in that goes that's going to go well or if i'm even a little bit hesitant then i'm going to go yo and just bank the 100k and you know roll run with it he's, he's been a proven primo in the past um so it's kind of my two cents at the moment. And I, I I can't say I'm fully convinced because I'm sitting on the fence um, at the moment. <laughs> Classic with, pistol though. Look, I, I want Jack Steele. I, I have to get two midfielders this week, JB. And Jack Steele, I think, is going to be one of the two just because of the, the combination of his, his scoring prowess this year and his price. And then the other one, I can afford up to five. And I can obviously afford Yo, And it's like, how much do I want to spend? How much value am I going to get in the player? I can get anybody. I mean, Fife, he's 670K, but he was averaging 140 before the injury. So, do I want to get him, even though I just traded him out to Ponce like a knife through the hut? Or do I want to get Jai Simpkin, who's still 544K and still playing really well for North Melbourne and obviously is a forward and... I'll want him in my team at some stage and he's probably not amazing value, but he's scoring super well and he's going to hover at this price the whole year. So is this the time I make my move and then come back to collect a premium midfielder later? Um, it's it's tough, JB.
0: Well, find that out next episode of the Doctor's Supercoach podcast. What is Pistol <laughs> going to be doing with his trades? And as he quoted, I think he said he has too much money to spend. So... Um, I hope everyone else is in the same boat as you, Pistol. But I would be—I'd uh, be going Simpkin there, mate. He's—he's he's obviously the go-to player um, in great form. But uh, I'm going to flick just back to Ralph for a second. Um, is there any merit in downgrading and banking all that cash for something uh, brewing in the future? Maybe you've got your eye on Fife in a couple of weeks after the Yo Tag, um, and and you just want to hold the cash. Is it—is it bad to hold the cash? Um, obviously, we're trying to find as much value as we can this season and trying to spend, um, get the points on the board as well. It's kind of a fine balance. Um, where's the merit in, in going, uh, not not so much a double downgrade, but um, an upgrade and a downgrade and probably having about 100 to 200 k just left over sitting there for a couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, I'm not somebody that likes to have these big war chests because at the end of the day, points i mean money are points you know every money that's not on your field every dollar that's not on your field i should say (laughs) every money money (laughs) is just points that aren't being scored for your team and like seeing that i had 450k last week and then having to play you know like a tyler brown butterick and thinking well i could have you know had a premium there instead it's just painful um and that's not 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 just from a, I guess, expected value point of view, but in terms of your upgrading for the rest of the season, you want to try and get into a cycle where you're downgrading one player and upgrading another player. And you kind of keep that momentum throughout the rest of, or for at least a large part of the season, while the rookies present themselves. And if you get into this situation, as I said last week, where I said, if you double downgrade, if you cop an injury, instead of being able to upgrade twice and catch up with everybody, you have to sideways trade the injured player and now you're behind everybody again for another week with one less primo for a second week and it's just points lost on the rest of the competition and that is what happened so i feel very worried about saying ah oh, yeah like now it's okay like The same thing could happen next week. You double downgrade this week. One of your premium players gets injured and now you're sideways trading and you're only able to upgrade once and you can't double upgrade and you end up being a premium behind everybody for the whole season. In a shortened season, you're just not going to catch up points, JB.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people that don't quite have the money to go um, too up kind of itch this week uh, with Matty Rao um, are going to find themselves uh, probably a little bit behind in points until they can catch that cash gem back up and make a bigger upgrade elsewhere but um sometimes as as we say team dependent um people are forced into these moves i i don't think it's dire straits if you have to do it um just make sure you spend that money wisely to catch back up on the competition uh it, hopefully in the next 7 days pending uh injuries like you said but uh sometimes you just got to do what you got to do if you we we don't want to rush in players who we don't think will be Um, at least top 10 in their position at the moment just for the sake of trying to keep up with points either so um, I'm going to move on to the next question hopefully that covered Rao in a lot of detail Um, Jacko asks another good one but I think it's probably an easy one Cash generation versus points when looking at trade-ins, getting Ridley in. The need to decide between Whitfield and Arts. Now, the reason I think this is easy is because, um, as we just spoke about, with making the upgrade and getting as many points as possible, I think it's easy to just go and get Whitfield now. Um, he and Arts are probably. I mean, Whitfield's break-even still isn't as low as it could be, but they're probably going to make close-ish money, I'd say. I don't think Arts is exactly going to go and make 100K this week. So, um, And that's worst-case scenario. That's assuming that there are absolutely no good rookies selected this week to debut. Um, we could see about 10 good rookies from um, the same team that Arts plays for uh, themselves. So um, I think just avoiding that one rookie, that speculative job security Arts that we have available this week for the sake of getting someone like Whitfield into the team is is probably a no-brainer.
1: I really like Arts. I think he'll be in the side, but he if he goes up 40k and Whitfield goes up 10k this week, I mean for a 30k price difference, you get to see him another week. Make sure he's going to be continuously playing. Have a look at the other players that Richmond bring in. We know what's happened with their team and the hubs. You know they're going to be missing and their injuries, I should say. Um, You know missing two players, not going to the hubs, missing a gazillion players because of injuries this week I mean they're going to have to bring in five new players seven new players Um, it's going to be insane and you know that might affect their scoring potential you know if he isn't around the ball as much if they start losing who knows there's a lot of questions and for the safety not just the safety of Whitfield because um, I guess he's safer than arts but you also get more points on your field for 30k um, and 30K has a points equivalent um, assigned to it. You know, every points, uh, I guess there's, you know, you can divide a player's price by their average and find the magic number and divide that magic number. I'm, I'm probably losing some people with JB by the amount of cash that you have on hand and you can find out how many points per round you're kind of losing um, by not having on the field. And to get an extra, let's say, 40 points um or 50 points from Whitfield over Arts, you know the 30k is not going to be worth that.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree. And again, uh, we could see Collier Dawkins come out and score 60 this weekend and be an equally as good rookie player to trade in instead of Arts anyway. So I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be changing too much around just to avoid Whitfield. Now and the next question is kind of on topic. It's from the Duke. He says, "Can we please have a debate on Whitfield?" why we should get versus why we shouldn't get. I'm starting to genuinely think he isn't a must-get and there are better options. Um, so, I will I mean, we've both had Whitford for the entire season uh, so far. We both started him in our, in our sides. I don't think he particularly does suit the scoring system, but I also don't think he's been playing anywhere near to his potential thus far. Um, he, uh, he hasn't exactly been tagged so far, but he, he just hasn't quite had that Whitfield run, and I thought he was going to get it last game because he started off um, just running freely, delivering the ball like they like him to do, and then he dropped off and then had a a really big last quarter to save his score, um, so to say. So um, I understand the arguments for and against. Um, At the moment, I think the safety of just having someone in your team that, that, especially for the price that he's at, that you know will be and probably a 90 plus average from here on out. I'd say I'd be quite surprised if you fell below 90 average for the rest of the season. Um, I think he's just worth the price of admission alone.
1: I think you've hit the nail on the head when you said for the price that he's currently at. We're buying players, yes, for their potential points, but also at their current cost price. And when I look and see, you know, Michael Walters for 586K, will Walters outscore Whitfield for the rest of the year? Probably, but 140k goes a long way in a year where we're struggling a little bit with our cash generation and you know trying to complete our teams. Um, For me, that's the biggest turn on for Whitfield. 440k for somebody that has the potential to be a top six forward, you know, sign me up. And that's going to go. We're going to talk about that later with Bailey Smith as well. And I do agree. I don't actually think Whitfield will be a top six forward this season, JB um in in total points from here on out but i do think that he'll be close and at that price you know he's a good 60 to 100k to 140k in some price in some against some players he's so much cheaper that you just kind of have to do it to finish off your team and you also kind of lock in it's a kind of like a blocking play you lock in a win against those that started um with him this year they can't gain ground on you now because if he goes, absolutely bang. Um, And obviously, you don't want to get players just to block oppositions, but it is a good defensive move um, because Whitfield has the potential to go 110-plus here on out. His disposal efficiency has been the lowest you know, it's been in years, but if he turns that around and starts going 110, um, you don't want to be left behind. And I think just locking it in, locking in a win against everybody else and calling it a day is just the... The easy and safe and right thing to do.
0: There are a lot of players um, out there with high percentage ownership that haven't started well that aren't worth locking in a win for, um, and I, I just don't think Whitford's one of them. Especially being Ford eligible, I know the Ford line is good this season, but it's not. Um, it's not good to the point where we can turn down a really cheap ninety plus average, and the fact that we can. Um, lock that in against, like you said, all the people that started with him and suffered with him so far, like yourself and myself, so I probably probably shouldn't be giving this advice, is um, <laughs> just an added bonus on top of the already cheap price, already high potential. Um, the fact that he, uh, is it's an injury-related score, not a form-related score that's got him down at this price, it it just all streams value in a season where there is decent value, but we need to find it and, and make the most of it. So, Um, I'm going to move on to the next question. Brad asks, what area of our team, defense mid or forward, should we be prioritizing an upgrade first, given um, rookies on all lines are actually reaching or close to reaching their break evens uh, in the coming weeks. So this is a tough question and it's pretty much answered by um, us reacting to a lot of cheap premiums um, on specific lines. So, at the moment, I'm not particularly in love with the defensive line, but I need Ridley, so I need to upgrade in my defence. If you need Whitfield, then you need to make an upgrade in your forward line. Um, if you need, you know, if, you've, if you're high for Elliott, Yo, and you've already got the first two guys or one of the first two guys, then you know you're making an upgrade in your midfield. So I think most seasons were pretty much just reactive to what we've been given on the board and, and where the best value is to chase. I don't think there's any specific area but um historically midfielders score more than every other line so um their their rookies as well this year have been failing quite poorly compared to the other lines see tyler brown and mchenry and uh who else there's there's so many poor scoring midfielders it's not even funny but um uh, it's pretty much just to assess week by week as to which player we want to trade in as in the pistol
1: yeah, so I was kind of shaping my team up. I had a plan last week where I was like, okay, well, I have to play Brown every week and I'm trying of loophole here with McHenry because I've got Pickett and Bunnell that aren't playing and I'm like, this is an absolutely awful position to be in. I'm basically trying to loophole between two players who are averaging 30. Did you take Brown's 29, um, by the way? <laughs> no, I rolled the dice on McHenry and there it went golly. quite well.
0: Actually, 26 um, points.
1: Yeah, no, it's huge. Uh, so thanks to McHenry, but I didn't want to be in that position um, every week. So I was like, okay, well, if I free up money from Howe, I'll be able to double upgrade this week um, and be able to, you know, kind of solve plug plug a, do a little quick restructure and and solve this issue. And now I'm looking at the Richmond side and thinking, well, if Pickett comes back in the play as a midfielder, and if Bernal comes in um, back into Melbourne side because they're kind of struggling on the offensive side. Well, now those players are much better scorers than Tyler Brown and um, McHenry. So now, do I want to spend my money, you know, blocking one of them from being on the field? Like that might be a bad call. Instead, I could be upgrading my forward line and getting Buterick off field instead. So you kind of have to play it by your own team. And I know that's an answer, team dependent, is an answer to every question. But it's just about identifying the worst scoring. Um, it's sorry, I should say, it's not just about identifying the worst-scoring rookie, but it's also about identifying the player that you're bringing in and getting somebody who can, I guess, score a lot more points. So, for example, you know, if McHenry is averaging... Um, 35, but the player I'm going to bring in is averaging 105. You know, it's a 70-point increase. But if I've got a forward rookie that's averaging 40, but I can only bring in somebody that's averaging 90, that's only a 50-point gain. So then I'm obviously going to be spending that money in the midfield. So kind of looking across the lines, like JB said, and identifying the value picks of who I can afford to bring in. And I'll say it's not pretty. Like if you already (laughs) own Ridley in the back line, you're, you're kind of paying up. For you know a Haynes or somebody at five forty k, and if I'm doing that in the forward line, I'm paying five forty k. I'm paying for Jai Simpkin, um, and everyone else. It's it's tough. You've got Greenwood at five hundred k, so you're still paying quite a lot of money. Um, and then again, you compare that to how you think Yo will go, or if you're comparing into the midfield, you can compare to see how Jack Steele is going to go. And sometimes those players might have higher ceilings than. You know, um, Jay Simkin or whatever your other options may be.
0: Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to ask the next question. I've only got three more for you after this one coming. So, um, this sort of talks about what you what you sort of were alluding to just now. Um, who are the best upgrade targets for the coming weeks, and when to jump on them? Ideally, guys who are bottoming out in price with proven potential. And then he proceeds to give four or five examples that actually answer his own question. Uh, this is from JR and um, you kind of did touch on it just now. So uh, this week we have players such as uh, Elliot Yeo, um, who is probably bottomed out considering his score on the weekend. Uh, we've got Whitfield who's bottoming out, um, but you could wait a week on him if you were desperate. And Ridley who um, is never bottomed out. He's just on the up uh, the entire time, <laughs> but he is pretty much last chance to get really good value on a um, probable top six defender there. So, um, we have a few already this week to look at, um, just having a look into the future, do you see anyone that sort of jumps out to you um, as the players that we really should be, um, as the last question said, sort of looking to just target our upgrades out um, on specific lines?
1: I mean, this week you could maybe opt for like a parfit of 470k before he jumps up well over the 500k mark, but he's an injury risk um, as always, but he's averaging 105 and only 1% of teams um, and has a really good role for Geelong. So he's an option um, where if you want to get him this week and then maybe Whitfield next week, you could kind of swing it that way. But otherwise the most obvious example is going to be Bailey Smith. The bloke's going to be under 400 K in two weeks time. Like that's absolutely insane value um, for somebody who could end up going on from here on out and, Average as much as a top six forward. Um, I think that one's an absolute no brainer. Otherwise, players that are falling off a cliff and kind of we're praying they turn it around.
0: <laughs> Shannon Hearn, JB. Just look at the premiums that I currently own.
1: Yeah, start, I'm like. Start <laughs> planning around those. He's going into the hub. He hasn't been setting the world on fire, to put it nicely. Um, if he can turn it around in the hub and start banging out, you know, I'd like to see him bang out a ton before jumping on um and actually looking much better than he's currently playing. But he's probably gonna bottom out at like four hundred and forty K and if there's so much uncertainty in the back line, you know, he could be somebody Sicily had to kind of play lockdown because of the way that um, McAvoy went into the ruck because he was getting his butt handed to him by Finlayson and then you know um, Scrimshaw went off injured for a bit before coming back on, and Sicily had to play tight And there's a whole range of things, and we know Sicily has these ups and downs, and is a nightmare to own. But at the end of the day, if he's going to get to a price, at, let's pretend he makes his way down towards 450k as well, then I'd be looking at bringing him in, even though I'll lose all my hair doing so. It's just chasing that that value, um, and there definitely are players that. This is happening too. Pelly in the midfield as well he just keeps dropping a bit lower and eventually he'll be able to break a tag and not get tags and run free. So there's players all over in every position um, where they're coming up in value and you kind of just need to get your team prepared to get them in and sweep.
0: Yeah. Um, I think Smith is probably going to be one of our better picks of the season uh, when he bottoms out. So make sure you've got a rookie on the bubble ready to go for him. Um the next question is uh it's from Duffer and it's it's a really good question. Um given the shorter season, what does a mid pricer need to score to be worth keeping? Example, Devin Smith, is he doing well enough to just hold? Um so Devin Smith's obviously sitting around eighty-five average at the moment with a couple of seventies and a couple of low tons. Um is an eighty-five plus average from someone who we started for about three hundred and twenty K enough to keep him? Um, I'm trying to think of other mid prices. Obviously, Simpkin started off as a mid-pricer, is a keep. Uh, Ridley started off as a mid-pricer, as a keep. Um, someone who's more more on the edge of being a, a top eight of their position. Um, what do we need from them to keep? Because I was considering um, keeping Matty Rao regardless of how the rest of his season went, um, just because we, we really just don't have enough trades to premiums uh, to bring in.
1: It's a cash generation thing. Uh, It's funny how, I guess, early thoughts were, oh, if prices are changing after two weeks, it's going to be better for us to make money because rookies don't need to hold their spot for three weeks to make money. But I think it's gone the other way because we're not jumping on them quickly. We're not jumping on them a lot of the time after one game because of a variety of reasons. So we're buying them at a higher price nearly every time. And then, you know, we've already missed their first price rise, so they're, you know, going up less, um, and it's basically biting us in the bum. They're also, because of the higher variance um, in all the, the quarter scores, you know, rookies can just suddenly, drastically stop making money as well, because they're more likely to be on the, I guess, worse side of the scoring than the the top end. So, um, money a struggle this year, and for that reason, less so about trades, I think um, money is going to be a key factor in being able to complete your side or not. And at the moment, if Dev Smith wants to average 85 at my F6, then I'll let him average 85 as my F6 for the rest of the year. Sure, there will be players. Like F6 might, you know, there might be six players. There will be six players, I'm sure, that average over 100 in the forward line. And will I be losing points on everybody? Yes. And if I have spare trades, will I upgrade Dev Smith to somebody averaging 100? Sure. But until that time comes, I'm just going to keep him you know, he's better than a rookie. He hasn't completely killed me by scoring sub 70. Um, so I'm just going to keep him there. And even players like Dude I would consider keeping, I mean, he has killed me with some poor scores, but wow. you know, if he can, if he can iron them out and still average 85 from here on out, I would consider keeping him. What's the cutoff um, then?
0: Um, if someone's averaging 80, is that okay?
1: I think 80 is a bit low. I feel like 85 is my personal cut off. Okay. Um but you know the decision that's to answer the question in a um very basic way 85 is a, a hard cut off. Um but you know it depends on how players are going in that respective position and what what rank they are. You know, if dude is the 12th best defender, you know, it doesn't matter if he's averaging 70 if he's the 12th best defender, you know, he's still the 12th best defender. So um and I guess it depends what the other players are averaging above. But you, you get what I'm saying. If they're in the vicinity of the top scorers and they're not too far behind, then it's not that big of a deal if you don't absolutely nail you know, the top six in every line. Um, so that that's kind of my strategy moving forward and I'm wary of this year not being able to generate as much cash in the shortened period of time and being able to finish my team. So that's kind of how I'm playing, using, I guess, worse players at F6 and D6 to try and... Um, plug some holes this season.
0: Yeah, I agree. And uh, Devin Smith is um, definitely high on my to-keep list at the moment, so um, hasn't quite done enough wrong for me to consider trading out. Um, Two more questions for you, pistol before I let you go. Um, Firstly, Zero Pressure says, what do we do about Viney? So a highly traded in player when we had five trades uh, to spend has just dropped 30K uh, this week has a break even of 136 and is projected for another price drop around 20k if he scores um, 90 plus uh, between 19 and 100 that is a projected of around 20k loss so um, we're looking at someone who's uh, just about back down to his starting price after we um, made 50 or, or closer to 70k in his first two weeks of owning him i say we but i don't have him just to be clear um, what are we doing with Viney now? Because uh, we've got Matty Rao, we've got um, all sorts of troubles and all sorts of players to trade in on different lines. How high of a priority is getting this guy out of our team?
1: <laughs> He's not a priority at all if you plan on keeping him for the rest of the season and you take <laughs> him as an M8, um, which is an option I guess some might consider depending on other issues in their side. As I said, you can kind of cop a loss in a position, if it's not too bad. My fear with Viney is he averages 85 in a position where, you know, the top six average or top eight average over 110. That's a substantial difference from the top end players. So in that case, 85 wouldn't quite be enough um, for Viney to be able to hold him for the season. But otherwise, look, what can you do? If you if you can trade Raoul, sorry, if you can trade Viney over Rowl and you're fine with your cover. Then I guess you could do that to avoid another twenty k loss, but I don't love it because you know four hundred and seventy k on your bench compared to everyone else who's getting rid of him. um, It's not great, but if you can get rid of both of them um, and potentially get in, if you have a little bit of money, you can almost get in. Like a you could get in a Ridley and a Steel or a Parford and a Steel. There's you're so close to getting in two primos if you really have zero dollars. That's unfortunate. Um, Hopefully, you don't have Whitfield because then you can get Whitfield and somebody slightly better. Um, Otherwise, you're looking at Yo, I guess. Okay, okay,
0: okay. So, let's try and make him feel better by talking about his next couple of opposition teams. Um, He's got (laughs) Gold Coast this coming week, which uh, should be a competitive game. I wouldn't be surprised to him go 90-plus in that one. Uh, He's got Hawthorne after that, which is um, a bit of a confusing game for how we might think he, he will score. But... He actually has an average of 105 in the three matches he's played against Hawthorne. So hopefully he can pep around the 100 mark again. Uh, If he does that, he'll close to reset his break even to something that could make him back up to where he is this week. He might end up on 500k in a couple of weeks' time. Then you're looking at prime Bailey-Smith at that point to trade in. So um, I don't think he's the worst of your problems. If you do have uh, Jack Viney in your team holding him for another fortnight, I, I don't think will be the end of the world. I think he's capable of pulling out a couple of nineties and, and sort of just making a little bit of cash back that you, you'll lose this week. So um, probably just hold him until the perfect time to upgrade comes along. I don't think he's a keeper. Um, and, I think the right time to get off of him was probably uh, last week before he lost this chunk of change. So um, hasn't? I think most
1: people had five and how to do it. I know, (laughs) I
0: know. So it's it's not obviously worked out for those who traded him in, but um, the the headspace was so unlucky. It was yeah.
1: Like given that they missed a round, so he would have peaked the round earlier and everything would have been fine. And also he you know missed a game against Essen where he probably would have scored well. Like. Yeah. It just went so badly for people that traded him in just because of that one game that was postponed. It's uh that's that's a
0: tough one to swallow. Okay, so I've got one final question for you and it's from M, um great supporter of the podcast M. So um M wants to bring in an A-grade premium for Matt Rao. Uh has asked it before but would love a ranking for the top three primos to bring in Taking value into account, personally looking at Titch, tempted by Boak, um, scared of Trelaw, has been known to burn her in the past uh, for a couple of different seasons there. So um, this one I'm going to expand a little bit as well. And after you give her the, the best three options, taking value into account, I actually want you to go through line by line and give me the top six options for forward and defense. And the top eight options that you think are going to end the season with the highest um, score slash average. You can... I mean, if you think one's splitting hair, then you can go with one or the other. But... Um, and then I want to name the, I want you to name the guy who misses out as well by by a small margin. So I've got some homework for you. We'll start off with Em's question. While you think in the that's background, that's question. <laughs> so um, you, all right, go 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 for it, mate. Go for broke. I'll, I can right. I can name one after, or so agree it, or disagree while you're doing. It yours. has to be a midfielder, or it doesn't have to be a It Has to be a midfielder. And uh, eyes are on Titch, Boak and wary of um, True Law at the moment.
1: All right. Well. I mean, if I, I'm not choosing those three, but I, I feel like steel, at this price, is just a very sweet spot with his scoring potential and price. Uh, I hope it's not fool's gold here. I'm feeling comfortable with him, um, so I'm going to pop him in because of his value. Um, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna kill me to not pick Yo as terms of like a value pick, because um, I do think he's good value. So I'll I'll pop him in there, and. The last one is difficult. I mean, Gaff is going to drop in price, but I think when he moves to the hub, he'll score really well. I think Tom Mitchell is. I'd I'd pick Tom Mitchell over Gaff still, um, even with all these shoulder issues. Um, So Mitchell would probably be my third, but I'm kind of leaning towards Fife if he's fit. Um, I know he's expensive. But the scoring system just suits him so well. And his break-even of 153, I feel like, is relatively achievable given he just went 166 and 143. He'll probably cop a steel tag, but he's killed steel before in the past. Um, He's had some big games against Saints. Um, Off the top of my head, I'm just going to quickly look it up (laughs) while I'm talking to you. Um, But... Yeah, I feel like at the end of the day he's going to be one of the best midfielders anyway and I'll probably want him. Um, yeah, he, so he got KO'd in 63. I think it was halfway through the second quarter and then he had 145 last year against them as well um, and 126 before that. So, Five Flags playing against the Saints. I think Five Flight's um, playing
0: against every side.
1: Yeah, look, he does. He's just a really good player. Um, if you can't fathom paying that much for him, well, you know, there's the other options that are definitely cheaper. Um but I, I don't think i would pick boke over fife when there's you know 40k difference if to to help with that sort of situation okay
0: um just in regards to boke while i give you more time to think about your top 6 on every line and top 8 oh on oh my midfield, gosh uh in regards to Boak, um why why do you think he's bad value he started the season really well as as uh, port obviously had their first loss on the weekend and uh, wasn't particularly close, even though the scoreboard was kind of flattering by the end of the game. He still managed to one twenty seven. Um, he does look good this season. Is it more so for the fact that he faded away late last season, or um, you don't think Port's form is sustainable? Where where is it with Boak that you, you just don't sit right? Is it the value?
1: Well. Firstly, he's got 133. You, you throw me with the 127. Oh, uh, that's okay. Um, he's he's definitely a great scorer. Um, and I think that he's better than a lot of the other options. Well, most of the other options we've said, but you're also paying for it at this stage. Like he's not a super value pick. Um, and you kind of pay for what you get. Like you're getting a player that is going to average more than, you know, if you cost 50K more, you're getting someone who's probably going to, Um, average 50k point money to points equivalent more than another player but i also feel like that's the same relationship between fife and boke where he's just going to average more he does cost more but he also averages more um so it's not like a slight against boke it's just fife is better and if they both represent you know similar value i'm just going to take the better player no i feel like you're not you're not buying it
0: no no, I do agree um, I do agree. <laughs> as much as I do like Boke, i <laughs> I agree five um value points everything is going to be better for the season so um now that I've let you stall for another couple of minutes there would you would you like to get started on the easiest line to predict perhaps the uh, the the forward line
1: <laughs> that's the easiest can I uh oh, okay. Let's go with the forward line. You can start elsewhere, um, but
0: I think the defense is the hardest. So oh you're either starting from the top or the bottom.
1: <laughs> so we naming the top.
0: Oh, we can go with the Ruckman if you Ruckman want. Two Ruckman with a been Yeah, being go, right. go with the Ruckman. <laughs> top two Ruckman and, um, the, and the third guy who misses out.
1: Oh, look, I'm going to have to go with uh, Grundy and Gorn here, JB. Oh, okay. Um, yes, interesting. Big call with Goldie missing out. Oh,
0: Goldie. Wow, that would be a big season from him. There oh, wait, do. he's already yeah, averaging so. really big. Okay. Um, <laughs> And um, now onto the forward um, line if you don't mind okay
1: forward line yeah no that was good stalling time it really works my work self well here um so <laughs> jay simpkins gonna finish do i have to name the order in no, the top no no six no, or no. Just top so six? just
0: just the top six in any order and then seventh
1: okay jay Simpkin is going to be in the top six i'm quite comfortable with that i've got him as well uh, as is michael walters yep he's a scoring machine um super coach my gosh just <laughs> stop know, stalling
0: keep talking yeah okay <laughs>
1: uh, petrarca looks a good this year so i'm still going to lock him in i've got him in there as well um, sorry am i going by average or total points because that's going to decide between like, my perfect suggestion okay
0: like i said you can warp it in whichever way you want but if you if you were trading in a player right now you'd probably want total points so i'd prefer total points
1: all right well Depending on the outcome of Raul's injury, if it's a longer term one, I think I'd be heavily looking at Hugh Greenwood. I've got
0: him in there as well. So far, we're, we're four for four.
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad you've had time to think about this. And I wrote it down pre-podcast well.
0: before, and w- whilst I knew I was going to ask you the question, so I've had a lot of a lot of time to prepare.
1: Okay. Uh, so still from this point forwards, I think Dusty will be there. Okay. Um you know, with Richmond's injuries, I mean, he's already playing midfield, so it's not that much difference. But the points have to go somewhere. Like they're losing about six hundred points from their team and bringing in rookies, so they have to be distributed probably to the other team. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> they'll still get wins, might. Fe- yeah, I, f- I feel like he he's going to be in the the conversation. Probably not a big call there. Um, and I actually think Brody Smith. Has shown more this season Wrong than Smith, Whitfield. I'll give you that. Brody Smith. Brody Smith. <laughs> Please don't talk no, about no, Brody Smith's midfield ability. <laughs> Bailey Smith. is Half, shown half the more. listeners
0: just tuned out right then.
1: <laughs> it's actually Tom Hawkins. Uh, no, oh yes, it's, he, he's averaging 102. And he has a good um, run coming up. <laughs> oh God, you too. Um, so Bailey Smith, I think, is going to be neck and neck with Whitfield and Whitfield's going to be the one that misses out from this point onwards. Um, okay. And just after Whitfield, probably the Chad. Um, wow,
0: you went with an eighth. That was brave.
1: Yeah, I did an eighth. Puff at ninth. Can okay,
0: do that? <laughs> sure, keep going. Do you want to go 10? or?
1: Um, yeah, let's round out the top 10. we have
0: run out of players.
1: <laughs> a, yeah, I'm just looking at the list. It's not a pretty list. It could um, be probably, A Brayshaw. No, probably... Oh, I was to, I'm deciding between
0: Toby Green and Heaney. Oh, give us Dev. Give us some hope in Dev. Um. Oh, no. no. Okay. <laughs> he does have a game in hand on everyone.
1: <laughs> well, it's not. It doesn't really work that way. But yeah. Okay. Let's. We'll. We'll go with. Um, we'll go with Heaney then. Okay. Sure. <laughs> some big calls have been made.
0: <laughs> um, I had the same. I had uh, Whitfield and Dusty pretty much tied sixth and seventh. So. Um, they were your, well, Dusty, I think you had, was your fifth name that you called out in Whitfield 7. So, pretty much, yeah, I've got Smith in there as well. So, um, a lot to look forward to with him bottoming out in price in a couple of weeks. Now, would you like to go for. De-
1: I'll go with the defense, but I also feel like you don't have a list and you're just going to copy my answers. <laughs> okay. I wish you. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Um, All right, Lloyd, Doherty, Haynes, that's three. He'll be in there. Well, no, just imagine Sicily with no anger issues and no risk of playing forward and more hair and kind of runs up the ground a little. I mean, Sicily does as well sometimes. Um, yeah, I feel like that's a decent enough comparison. Yep, I um, Good job. And this, he, he just does everything. He's kind of like, I mean, he's 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 unbelievable super coach scorer this season, kind of Tom Stewart-ish. I don't know if that's a, as good of a comparison, but yeah, he's... Those he intercept
0: does... marks are, are gold this season. He, he's just that third man running in from the side, taking the, contest, uh, the contested intercept marks and, and then pretty much wheeling off and, and hitting someone on the wing. So um, he's been excellent this season. So I've, I've also got him in my list. Three for three so far.
1: Caleb Daniel has to be four. Yep. Um, and then it starts getting a little bit dicey yes. in the back line. <laughs> Definitely. For total points... Um, Oh jeez. I mean I can't say Ridley, can I? Like
0: I've got Ridley in my six, so you can say, say Ridley. Ridley. You can't say Ridley. Absolutely you can say Ridley. He he's oh the real gosh. deal this season. He just played in wet conditions and and I honestly I, I thought he was under his own little dome of dryness and and sun and perfect conditions, because he was clunking everything. He's clean below his knees and he, he hits every target he, he goes for, so Absolutely, I think Ridley will be in there.
1: Oh my god! Only because of how okay. bad the defense is. I like. I'm yeah, not saying he's gonna be, say, you know, the best player ever, but it's not a better choice, is there? No, it's uh, it's it's a bit struggle town. Um, hey, good luck on the With six. These options. Yeah, I'm, I'm. looking at the list and I'm loving it. Um, all right, so I'm not going to stall. There's no. I'm not going to say Luke Ryan. I'm. I am kind of feeling Sicily, um, as the option. I think Sicily will do better than Laird I think he'll do better than Crisp I think he'll be better than Hearn I mean, Hooley's missing a whole bunch of games um, So it's going to come down to him and Maynard And you know how much I don't like to choose Maynard <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, that is uh, well known about you. <laughs> um, <laughs> That'll be on your tombstone, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, I think it's going to be Sicily and Maynard's going to miss
0: out. Wow. Okay, I had uh, I had Maynard sixth. Um, I think you've got a bit of anti bias going there. I had yep. I had Hearn as my one to miss out, but that could honestly be Hearn, uh, Ryan, Sicily. There's there's about six or seven. Premium mid uh, defenders that are down at the moment that could take that spot of seventh and unlucky to miss out, but um, it's going to be one of them, and they're all bad. So <laughs> good luck to them. They're playing for last place. Um, we'll jump into the midfield. Uh, this this one has a, a good top end, but then kind of falls off a cliff at the moment, especially when you consider current form. So uh, good luck. You'll rattle off a few pretty quickly.
1: Okay, yeah. So we'll lock in Lucky Neil. Yep. And that five. Yep. I think they're easily going to be just one and two from here on out. Um, oh, whoa, this is harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! I mean, when I look at the list and I see like sorting by average and I see crips at eighteenth, I'm like, that's not near the top ten. No, it's not at the. Moment. That's really far. That's really far from the top ten. Um, I think Trelaw will go there this year. Yeah, I've got him think, as well. Um I think that's gonna be good. I think I'm gonna put a lot of blind faith into Jack Steele and the way he's going and I how much have I've him talked as him well, up. funnily enough.
0: By the way, you're only going for eight midfielders.
1: Oh, great. I was gonna name fourteen.
0: Um <laughs> you did with the forwards, I don't know why.
1: <laughs> I mean I don't actually wanna pick Boak. Um Oh my god. But I feel like Port Porter playing too well and he's scoring too well. That even if he has like a ten point per game drop off, he's still hovering around the mark. Yep. Um so I'm gonna pick him. Yep. So lock him in. you have got
0: three left and then the oh the, the one God. to miss out.
1: Alright, well Jeez, from here on out. Yep. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for Crips. Uh huh. Um Yeah. I don't feel super confident about it. Um, I would pick Josh Kelly if I thought he was going to remain fit, but I'm not going to fall for that one again, so he's yeah, out for me. Sh-
0: fall be five times, shame on me. This
1: this one might be a big call. I think... Um, well, actually, I'll, I'll go with a safer one. Um, Andrew Gaff, I think, will wow. score well. Bottom on one. Um, so he'll be there. And I think the safer... Well, I think he's going to outscore Oliver this year, so that was kind of where my mind's going. And I think my big... We'll go with the Smokey... Um, I didn't say Mitch Duncan, right? Oh No, I did say Mitch Duncan. No, you haven't yet. I can't
0: remember. No, you haven't yet.
1: All right, I'm going to go with Hugh McLuggage. Um, <laughs> That's Br- not Mitch Duncan. Brisbane are good. Brisbane are good. Um, he's got a three-round average now of 137. He started poorly, and he can be, I guess, tagged out of games. But um, I feel like he's playing that Batman role. Sorry, that, that Batman role. The, um, <laughs> the Robin, Robin to Neil's Batman um, very, very well. Kind of like how... Neil was playing that to Fife. Okay. Um,
0: I'm confused on who the Batman and Robin is in all these instances.
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't work when Neil is... Who, like who's Alfred smaller. out of all these? <laughs> Jared Lyons. <Yeah. laughs>
0: it could be Barry, actually.
1: Barry, yeah, it's probably Barry. Oh, that's geez. true. Um, so, yeah, I think I've named enough of them. I don't okay. even well, you remember. Got, you, got, you got
0: one more. You got who? the, the guy that's um, unlikely to miss out. Oh, Luke Parker. Oh my gosh! Okay, you've named, you've named three that aren't on my list. With the last three there, with Parker, McCullough, and Gaff. So you didn't name Titch. Oh crap! Okay, are, you ta- are, you, are we taking one back for Titch? Um, or no? No. Okay, <laughs> I had Titch in one. Uh, you also didn't name uh, Jackson McCray. Yeah, I've, I've done goofed with this list, haven't I? It, either of them, honestly, you could you could tell me that they're not going to be in there and I, on, I wouldn't be able to argue much at the moment because um, McRae specifically with what his coach is doing with him is up in the air completely.
1: No, so I would have, in, in all honesty, I would have Titch on the list, but I don't think I would have McRae, um, which is kind of a big call, but I'm not loving... I know he was playing more on the ball this weekend. He was in a lot of center bounces. Yeah. I'm not loving the way the wheels are spinning and the magnets are turning um, Board, with no, this year, Western so Bulldogs uh, is,
0: is a shocker at the moment. and It's
1: a little bit of a nightmare. Yeah, Daniel's um,
0: pretty much the only player that you can have any confidence with, and Dunkley before he got injured. But besides that, it's, it's on... A, it's Bailey Smith will... As well, but yeah, no, nah, it's a shocker there. Even after so Smith out, got in switch
1: out Titch and McCluggage for me, I think.
0: Okay, cool. Um, okay, I had Duncan in there as well as the one to miss out. I, I, I Dunkley, did you say Duncan? I think with uh um, oh, Duncan, Dangerfield digressing a little bit this season, I think Duncan's uh stepped up nicely into the number one midfield, uh and won't get tagged with Selwood and Dangerfield around so. Um, I think it's a good chance to bring it home and and get in the top 10 at least for the end of the season so okay well that's interesting interesting discussion so we're mostly on the same page with uh, forwards and defenders barring a player on the you know on the edge there and then midfield is a little bit of a a poo fest at the moment I don't don't want to I know know you swore last week I don't want to become a fully R-rated podcast so I had to hold back there but um, midfield really is just a a throw a dart and you know, wherever it lands, you, you're pretty much as good a guess as, as anyone. So you even had steel in there, omitting players like Titch and McRae before you corrected back into Titch. Um, but there are a lot of players that are missing out. Bontempele is another one that comes to mind, owned by a lot of teams as well. It's just that sort of season, and I think it lends more towards what I'm going to finish with, and that's that if you like a midfielder and have good enough reason to pick them and you can justify it to yourself, I think the, the picks between pretty much... Neil and five, the drop-off is going to be decent. It's going to be probably 10-plus points. And then yep. when you're talking about the rest of your midfielders, the absolute best of the best from the rest of them is probably going to be 115-ish, maybe between 115 and 120. And the rest are going to be around the 112 to one fifty. Like There's going to be a cluster of players that... Are just a, a minor step behind the rest, and any one of them could sneak into the top ten as number nine or ten. So if you can justify a midfield selection to yourself, then I don't see any reason as to why you'd need to, you know, get affirmation on Twitter or from us or from whoever it may be. I think it's a real gut feel midfield type of season this year. So um, can I can I shout a, gut, a midfielder that we've just neglected to
1: talk about the entire podcast? And there's probably a reason why. Um, because I know otherwise people are going to be screaming it at us, um, and that's Dylan Shield because he's averaging 124. Um, I'm going to shoot a question at you, since you've been shooting them at me the whole podcast. What's the reason that you don't think Dylan Shield is going to be a top 10 or 15 midfielder this season?
0: Um, A uh, genuinely good question. He, he obviously has a high ceiling. He's had two mammoth scores this season. Um, first week and the week just gone so um, those account for over 300 of his points already this year the other two games is the issue with Shield and they're both sub-times one of them being um, as low as 81 I just don't think he he, like the consistency is not there at all and I don't know if it's an Essendon form based consistency or if it's a merit playing better or whatever it is in Essendon's team but he had it at GWS as well. And I remember I owned him in that last season of his GWS career. And um, he, he was decently consistent, but he, he didn't have the ceiling that he does now. And Now it seems like he's taken the ceiling, um, applied it to a number of his games, but still has that, that floor of around you know 80 to 95. And he seems to pepper that mark until he goes huge. And like, it's just not a sustainable thing to ask for for him to go mammoth to make up for all these randomly low scores that he gets and low being you know 80s to 90s so it's not like a catastrophe like other players that we're having here but um, I just can't put faith into someone who, who relies on a really big game because you know what if they're doing well and by half time it's you know they're against GWS and he's finally going to have another big score and then they switch to bore to him instead of you know Zach Merritt so um, it's just it's just a a trusting, I think, is the the most reason as to why I don't consider him in there. I'd be surprised if he landed in the top twelve midfielders.
1: Yeah, ah, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think he's got a great ceiling, but that floor is what is the reason why I don't think that he it will end up being in those top midfielders. And I get that he's at a nice price at five hundred and sixty k, but gee, at the same price, I would I'm far, far, far. Wanting to pick Jack Steele, like it's not even a close conversation. Yeah, absolutely. They're not in the same sentence um, with how I'm feeling about those two picks. JB, before we go, am I able to change my defender? Um, my top six? Can I add Houston in there? Uh, no. <laughs> is that is
0: that is that sarcasm? Do you think Houston? Gets yeah, it in is. There? Okay. Oh. No, nah, just uh, I, just reminding
1: now. you of you know okay the, what you've caught the pain you've caused us. Sure. Um, all
0: right. Well, that's that's kind of an upsetting note to finish on. Do you have anything nice to say or?
1: Houston's four twenty k. That's funny. Why is that funny? It's just so cheap. Look at all the money that he's lost. You can pretty much get him now for a bargain.
0: <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, all right, well, <laughs> we're going to end on that. Wait, is, um, is Zach Williams going to come back at all this season? Maybe he's a good one to get in there.
1: I mean, he's still out for weeks, and he's always injured. Every single game, he just like he's, is he's a walking wounded.
0: Like Fifty in his last three games as well.
1: I mean, if that's the type of players you want to pick, go for it.
0: I mean, I started with Houston, so I might as well just... See
1: <laughs> okay. so if you can like start with your $10 million budget and just with your trading, try and finish the year with like $9 million. good
0: <laughs> okay, down a million.
1: Yeah, just like keep trading for players that are out of form. That wouldn't, that, I feel like that wouldn't be lose. too hard.
0: That's ga- the game within the game. How to lose at the start. That would market. be fun. If this was golf, yeah. then that would be the aim.
1: If this was golf, the lowest money would win. Yeah, I guess that was oh, that's just okay. not a good joke.
0: Okay, You can find us at our social. You know what? You don't get a socials plug after whatever that was. Um, myself, JB underscore drsc. Uh, chizo is chizo underscore drsc, and then the page, the main page itself, is Doctor underscore sc um no one else involved um I, th- I think that just about does us thanks for tuning in uh thank you for our donating for donuts uh person there and hopefully we see a couple more trickle in throughout the week those who forgot um if you've lasted this this long then congratulations but uh we will talk to you on the thursday podcast thanks for joining me again pistol thank you and <laughs> goodbye